0: I'm Helen Sanders, and I'd like to welcome you to this Journeys to Treasury podcast, recorded in conjunction with the four Tra- Journeys to Treasury member organisations PwC, SAP, BNP Paribas, and the European Association of Corporate Treasurers. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Bobby Eisman, President of Comcast Capital Corporation. For the past two years, Bobby and her team have been engaged in a significant treasury project, which was recently awarded the Adam Smith. Highly commended award for Treasury Transformation by Treasury Today. So, Bobby, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I just wanted to talk about a little bit more about the Harmonization and Transformation project that you started. I think, I believe you started that in 2019. What was the background behind that project, or what problems were you
1: experiencing that led you to
0: initiate it?
1: Hello, Helen, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. What we were looking to do was, following the acquisition of Sky in Europe, we had inherited a rather fragmented the global liquidity structure between the Comcast organization, the MBCU organization from prior acquisitions, as well as the new Sky organization. So what we were trying to do with this project was optimize our global liquidity, leveraging our global purchasing power with global bank providers for services, Utilize bank automation and technology for more efficient processes and establish better control over our cash.
0: Fantastic. And you mentioned some of the main project aims. What were the main elements of the project to achieve those aims in terms of, say, Treasury implement or Treasury technology implementation, new banking partners? You know, what were the key activities
1: that you were engaged with? One thing about this project is it did spur a number of various work streams ranging from global banking RFPs and banking and bank account rationalizations to looking to perform cash optimization and automated liquidity with these strategic banking partners. We have a number of committed global banks with whom we do business that we were lucky enough to leverage those relationships. But at the same time, we needed that underlying technology to make all of this happen. So we wound up expanding use of our current treasury workstation to include the in-house banking module. And we also implemented a new system that we could use almost like a bank connectivity hub to create a single pipeline of data to and from the banks, creating a bank agnostic environment for our various businesses and making sure that we in Treasury had the visibility we needed for daily cash positioning as well as short-term investing. That's, that,
0: that's, that's great. And, and you mentioned your partner banks, for example, mm-hmm. how did you go about selecting or validating uh, the relationship with those partner banks to ag- achieve that level of harmonization that you were looking for?
1: This was a major RFP undertaking with the partnership of PwC that helped guide us through an RFP process where we started with our global banking relationships that we had in place and looking at who could provide the best breadth and scope of services in the geographic regions. We actually ended up subdividing certain regions further than we originally expected. So, for example, we have the European continent and UK as two separate providers, but we have consolidated and regionalized in those areas.
0: No, that's... um you mentioned technology and connectivity and clearly that's so essential. You know, if you've got those great banking partners, they're not going to be great banking partners until you can have that smooth flow of information going between them. Um, you mentioned connectivity. What what did that mean in practice uh, in terms of the new
1: connectivity tools that you put in place? So what that really meant in practice was we eliminated a number of host-to-host as well as manual uploads and manual transmissions of data between the various businesses and the banks. It was a major undertaking to connect several ERPs, as well as a number of subsystems from the three various businesses in order to achieve this level of of data flow and communication. But it really provided a unique opportunity to increase the controls and ensure that we met consistently high encryption standards, even with our subsystems. And that's also providing the opportunity to reduce the number of, gosh, how should I say this, bank portal participants, where you have people that are just logging onto the bank portal and doing activities there that you might not have appropriate visibility on. So we're reducing that, bringing all of those users into that bank connectivity hub tool no that's um
0: and we know that during the pandemic you know digitization <coughs> that sort of technology uh, mm-hmm. side became really important and and your project started just before of course uh, <laughs> the first lockdowns very well done on that um but how did the pandemic impact your project and i suppose i mean in two respects firstly the the actual project delivery side which i'm sure was quite challenged as a result but also did you flex your objectives as a result of your experiences during those early days of the pandemic?
1: So yes, there were impacts both on how we did the deployment of the project and how we decided to prioritize different areas of the project. So in the project delivery phase, we were actually supposed to have a global meeting about three dozen project participants in London the third week of March of 2020. And I remember for about five to six weeks leading up to that point in time, my treasurer at the time, he and I would have conversations, do we need a plan B? Do we need a plan B? Do we need a plan B? And then all of a sudden we needed not just plan B, but plan C, plan D, plan E. So Comcast, like so many other companies, the Comcast, NBCU, and Sky businesses went fully remote at certain points in time. So we did have to put the project on pause for probably about three to four months just so we could get our feet under us with the BAU activities and shifting everything to home. Like I'm sure like so many other corporates, our business continuity plan was not designed for an extended period of time to be away from the office and away from the tools that we had in the office. So we did take a a breath with that. And then when we came back to thinking about how to develop the project, then we said, well, how does this affect our objectives? Because now our teams have different capacities than we thought before. We had this new risk of what if multiple people became ill at the same time, and we had to just solely focus on BAU and, and couldn't focus on the project. So what we really did was we refocused the project on where could we get the most impact and let's prioritize that first. So the first thing that we did was actually put in the multi-currency notional pool, our global pooling structure for our 10 largest cash holding entities. And we did that probably in a span of less than 12 weeks, excuse me, Um, which was very, very quick but it was a very manual process, but it did consolidate a lot of the standalone cash, achieving that global liquidity optimization objective very early on and starting to reap some benefits from that. And then we looked at our geographic regions. Instead of taking everything on at once, where were we going to get the next level of biggest impact? And for us, that was actually in Europe. We had a very large presence from NBC Universal, and we now had this new presence from the sky businesses. So we started there and we put in our regional banking partners, we put in our tech, our in-house bank, we put in our bank connectivity hub, and we, we rolled that out over several waves in Europe because we had so many systems and so many diverse businesses and local cultures and and office cultures that we had to deal with as well. So it, it did both, impacted the development, it impacted the delivery, it impacted how we prioritize where our goals went. But surprisingly, we have done this all as a remote delivered project. And in some ways it was a little bit more liberating because you weren't waiting for that next big in-person meeting to get something done. You had more attention in between with the increased use of Teams and video conferencing. We could make this project move forward in ways that we probably couldn't have done in previous times.
0: That's really interesting. I suppose it's that agility, isn't it, rather than these
1: great big checkpoints during the course of the project. Yes, yeah, so instead of having great big checkpoints where everybody was flying into a certain location, we would have um, semi-month, uh, bi-monthly meetings. So every two weeks, we would have a, an all-hands meeting where each of the workflows would report in how they were doing. And having gone through it experience in that way, it makes me feel like we probably made even better progress and had better attention than had we done it the more traditional way of waiting for those large meetings to get things completed.
0: That's that's fascinating. And um, you've already talked about some of the achievements that you you know have made as a result of this project. And I was interested in your multi. Um, a multi-currency notional cash pool for example and some of the things you you put in there but what would you say you've particularly achieved to date uh it's been a huge project clearly but what comes to you as the, the things that you would see as your biggest achievements and what are the major benefits of those being
1: so we have both the quantitative and the qualitative benefits of this project on the quantitative side you have your liquidity optimization the amount of cash you can centralize in one location and transfer readily between your global pool participants so that you remove certain needs for short-term external borrowing, for example. We've avoided spot trade fees because we've we've been more readily able to transfer liquidity in currency A to currency B just within the house without having to go out externally and have that marginal loss from um, from the exchange rates, but probably the biggest benefit quantitatively following liquidity optimization is really our bank fee reduction. And what we found is that has actually exceeded the expectations as we've moved through the project. And being able to work with the global banking partners with whom we have a relationship and really leveraging that purchasing power, which was one of the objectives of the project, has really provided a lot of benefit and provided a nice return on investment to the company for putting this project into place. Then on the quantitative, excuse me, then on the qualitative side you have the softer benefits. I talked a little bit before about the bank account portals. Those are heavy manual efforts to administrate, track, validate your user base periodically, um, we have multiple company IDs within each bank because of just how we've grown through acquisitions over the years. So those this types of administrative burden easing. Um, I was a little worried IT was not going to want to get on board with the project because it meant work for them building the interfaces. But they've actually been very happy because now they have one interface to our bank connectivity hub. They're not maintaining encryption keys or host-to-host daily activities going to multiple banks for their business. We've future-proofed our systems and that we've implemented the CAMT format as opposed to the Swift format so that as that change starts happening with Swift over the next few years we have that in place we have our reports modified so they can read the new formats so there's all these types of of qualitative things that are happening that this the the review and standardization of encryption methods from all the systems into our centralized bank connectivity hub as you can imagine that is very heavily reviewed by our crypto team and our cyber team and making sure that everything is buttoned up and so that that's really brought a a sense of higher security um, to to the project and the bank data that we have flowing through the systems
0: That's that's very interesting. And I particularly like that focus on future proofing uh, that you've you've had, you know, it's not just short term or medium term objectives, but really looking out uh, from a delivery and from a risk point of view with the cyber risk, for example. Um, now you mentioned some of the success, success factors in this project already, such as, you know, that, that sort of more perhaps incremental progress reporting and analysis of the project by doing it more remotely. You mentioned the support of IT, which was clearly essential <coughs> to a project like this. But what else would you highlight as the particular success factors that have driven this project?
1: I think probably the biggest success factor has been the collaborative culture that we have at Comcast. So we do have a certain amount of entrepreneurial spirit within each of our businesses, but there's just been that collaborative experience where people see the benefit and people are willing to work with the project to make sure it works for their business and for their business's clients and therefore their internal shareholders. Without that unique collaboration, I'm not sure this project would have gotten off the ground, let alone this far. We keep talking about this project being trailblazing. It's one of the first projects to truly go across all of the businesses in Comcast, Comcast, Sky, NBC Universal, and. Trailblazing is exciting. It's it's a lot of fun when it goes well, but it's also very messy because you just aren't quite sure where your next um, hurdle is going to come up from. And it really does require agility and to be able to, to pivot and work together to find a solution when those roadblocks and those hurdles do come up. No, that's, that's
0: great. And you mentioned trailblazing and clearly you've already been a trailblazer in the project you've implemented so far, but I think listeners will therefore be particularly interested in what your plans there are therefore for the next, say, 12 to 18 months.
1: Sure. This is a very long-term type of project. It's, it's strategically changing how Treasury fits in with the businesses. So while we've already undergone this project, as you said, for nearly two years, a large portion of that was was planning. Um, We've completed our implementation in the EMEA region, so Europe, Middle East, African continent. Now we're next moving on to the North America region, so Mexico, US, Canada, Puerto Rico. And then the roadmap after that will be to implement in Asia Pacific, as well as Latin America. And since there are multiple legs of this project, it's it's the visibility to the cash, it's the in-house banking and pooling, where possible, it's the consolidation of global banking partners. Those two regions um, are going to be very interesting to see what we can accomplish, or where we'll need to again be agile and and pivot to come up with the best solutions. No, that's that's great. Thank you. And Bobby, you've you've
0: been through a lot with this project. You've you've not only achieved so much, but you've also, I'm sure, built up a lot of ex- skills and experience across your team as well in things that perhaps you never thought you'd need to be dealing with. <laughs> but um, but what advice would you give to other treasurers who perhaps find themselves in the position you were in two years ago starting this project that you think would be useful for them?
1: So th- there's a couple different areas I think I would Recommend as biggest as learnings to take away from this. Um, I don't think you can underestimate the importance of bringing in your technology people and your cyber teams as early as possible in the project. So, with many companies, especially the companies I've worked for in the past, treasury was left to run pretty independently. Um, you picked a provider for your your software as a service and you ran, you ran with that provider. I think in today's day and age, as the cyber environment has evolved, you can't do that anymore. You need to bring them in early and you need to make sure that your technology team and your cyber team really are the same people. We have brought in some technology folks and found out several weeks later that they really couldn't comment on the cyber activities and then we had to ramp up another team for cyber. So I would say, engage your technology and your cyber folks as early as possible and at an appropriate level so you have people that can make decisions as you run into those hurdles and roadblocks and you need that agility. You need the right people engaged and familiar with the project and trusting in the project and its leadership to make those decisions to to allow the project to move forward. The other thing is you cannot underestimate the complexity of the project. I mentioned earlier, we have ERPs and we have subsystems. Some subsystems did not come up in our initial discovery. So always plan for additional complexity. Every time we thought we had enough time, people, resources, budgeted, we'd hit some new level of complexity where even as conservative as we thought we were, we weren't quite conservative enough. We were fortunate in that the incremental benefits continued to exceed the incremental cost, but I would say you can never be too conservative when budgeting time, money, or people for these types of projects, especially in large, complex organizations.
0: Thank you. And Bobby, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time and huge congratulations on the Treasury Today Award. Uh, it's it's a, a huge achievement for yourself and of course your team as well, I'm sure. Uh, they will be very proud of this as well. So thank you for your time and thank you so much for listening as well.